Hello, uh, welcome to uh, an episode of Pastor Vic's Nuggets of Truth. Today, I want to talk about the subject of, of being known by God. But let me begin with 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And this is the, Apostles, the Apostle Paul's exhortation, if you will, to recognize the spiritual gifts that are available to every believer who acknowledges the presence of the Holy Spirit in them. I want to quote Paul in 1 Corinthians beginning in verse 12. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. You see, Paul was chastising the, Christian, uh, in, the Christians in Corinth for abandoning the work of the Holy Spirit in their personal lives and in their church life. You see, it's not enough to know the basic truths of the Bible. You see, knowledge should lead to understanding, and then the ultimate fruit of understanding is wisdom. And let me define wisdom. Wisdom is the proper application of truth. In other words, we're called to be doers of the words. Listen to what James says in James chapter 1, beginning in verse 22. But be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it, and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. You see, if you treat truths simply, the truth of the Bible, I should say, as something to be studied and to know and and you just stop there, you miss the point of applying the truth to your life. See, everyone at the beginning of their walk with Jesus starts out learning about the truths of the Bible. But eventually the goal is to apply the truth to your own life. This is how one is blessed. Jesus says in John chapter 8, in verse 32 and 36, that the truth will set you free. But that doesn't simply mean knowing the truth but it's walking, it's breathing, it's living the truth that sets you free. Don't deceive yourself into thinking that knowledge alone is the key. Now I'm gonna give you an example of, of how I deceived myself in my, in my younger years. See, I wanted to learn how to fly an airplane. However, just wanting to fly didn't make me a pilot. I also read all I could find on the history of aviation and the biography of great pilots and as a result, in my mind, I was sure I could fly a plane. But it wasn't until I was about 22 years old that I actually signed up to a flight school to learn how to pilot a plane. And the first thing they did was make me spend hours in classes learning about the science of flight. I learned about aerodynamics, terms like lift, drag, thrust, and airspeed. And after hours of learning and testing, I felt, surely I can fly a plane now. But that wasn't to be. But yet the day came when I got inside the cockpit of an airplane and I learned the purposes of all the controls and the instruments. And now I'm, I'm pretty confident, I'm sure I could pilot a plane. You see, I was a legend in my own mind. In my imagination, I could do it. However, it wasn't until the day came that I got into a plane cockpit started the engine, rolled out onto the runway, and I took off. That was when I was flying the plane.
The moment the, left, the moment the wheels left the ground, I was piloting the plane. The point in that little testimony is that learning the facts and theory of flight wasn't enough. I had to apply all I knew to the task of actually flying the plane. And the same is true of our life as believers in Jesus Christ. It's not how much you know about Jesus and the Holy Spirit. It's realizing how much Jesus and the Holy Spirit knows you. I've known many in my life who were great Bible scholars, but they lacked love and compassion, which is the hallmark of one who knows Jesus in a personal way. You see, understanding that you are loved and are known by the Lord will change everything in your life. Jesus said in John 14, beginning in verse 21, He who has my commandments, or obeys my commandments, and keeps them is the one who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him, and I will manifest, I will show myself to him. It's important to recognize that you're known by God. You see, there's a major difference between knowing about someone and being known by that someone. The Apostle Paul said uh, in, uh, in Galatians chapter 4, uh, beginning in verse 9, But now, after you have known God, then he goes on, or rather are known by God. How is it that you turn again to the weak and beggarly elements to which you desire again to be in bondage? You see, in this verse, Paul is admonishing the new Christians not to turn back to their old forms of worship, worshiping those things which are not God. Paul is speaking to born-again believers because he refers to them as being known by God. You see, it's not enough to know God. Our faith and our confidence should be in knowing that He knows us. I want you to take, take a moment to look at a very powerful verse that speaks to this issue of being known by the Lord. And Jesus says in Matthew chapter 7, beginning in verse 21, he says this, he says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? And then verse 23, Jesus will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. From these powerful verses, the individuals Jesus speaks about are followers of Christ in name only. They approach their Christianity in a ritualistic way, in a legalistic way. They know how to talk the talk, they dress right, they act right, but they really don't know Jesus. They know about him, but they don't know him. They're not in relationship. So what does a real Christian look like? Well, the rest of Matthew chapter 7 will give us some insight. One of the things that's important for us to, to, to recognize is, is that we are called not to judge others. The chapter begins, in chapter 7 begins with a warning that we should not judge others. What is especially important is that we do not judge others until we have judged ourselves. You see, when we judge ourselves honestly, 
we often discover that we are in no position to judge others. Very much like the religious leaders who brought the women caught in adultery to Jesus in John chapter 8. The hypocritical leaders expected Jesus to condemn the sinning woman to death by stoning as was prescribed by the law. Instead, Jesus asked the simple question, Whoever is without sin cast the first stone. And one by one, the accusers withdrew, and they left Jesus and the woman alone. And then in John chapter 8, verse 11, Jesus said to the woman, Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. You see, instead of judgment, Jesus extended grace and mercy. As followers of Jesus Christ, we must learn how to do the same. And then the second point is, is the verses in Matthew chapter 7 having to do with, with asking and seeking and knocking. This is the beginning in the verse 7 of the chapter. We're told that we're to keep asking, seeking, and knocking. This is speaking of the fact that we should never give up on the promises of God, especially when we're going through difficult times. You and I know that God is never late, but he's never early. He's always on time. We struggle with the fact that there are times when God does not seem to move fast enough in our difficult situations or circumstances. However, we are to never lose heart. We must be persistent in coming before the Lord, making our petitions known to Him through prayer and supplication, and behaving as one who knows that the answer is coming. That's true faith. Then in Matthew chapter 7, beginning in verse 13, Jesus tells us that the path to life, both in the present and the future, is sometimes difficult. We're told to enter through the narrow gate, for the wide gate leads to destruction. What is, what is, what, what is, what is Jesus saying? He's saying that, that there are no shortcuts in God. We must not abandon our righteous standing with the Lord. This means never resorting to lying and cheating and stealing or any unrighteous act. We're called to be a people of integrity at any cost. And then in, in, in verse 15, Jesus talks about uh, false prophets and teachers. And we're warned that there are false prophets in the world. This phrase simply means that there are those who are intentionally trying to deceive us or for lack of knowledge, lead us in the wrong direction. We're, we're told to observe their fruit and that we shall know them by their fruit. This means we need to watch them, not only when they are in public, because, let's face it, when everyone in public behaves themselves, but we need to find opportunities to observe them in private. Many people act righteously when in public, but are unrighteous in their private lives. One sure sign is to see how a person treats their family. This tells you much about a person. And then beginning in Matthew chapter 7 in, in verse 21, we, we, we deal with the relevant scripture for today. And that is, not everyone who says to me, Jesus says, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. And many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? And then I will declare to them, Jesus says, 
I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Pay special attention to verse 23. Then I will declare to them, I never knew you. You see, it's one thing to act like a Christian. It's another to be a true Christian. A true Christian is one who has accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Now, that means he has surrendered his own personal will to do the will of the Father, just as Jesus did. To do the will of the Father means, first and foremost, to love the Lord God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. And that you would love others as you would have them love you. Now, this may seem difficult at times, but remember you have the, the Helper, the Holy Spirit of God, living in you. Trust Him. Then we need to learn how to build on the rock of obedience. You see, the key to being known by the Lord is found in the following section, which is in Matthew chapter 7, beginning in verse 24. And it has to do with building on the rock. Now, I'm, sh I'm sure you know that the parable of the two builders. One builder built a house on the sand, the other built a house on the rock. Jesus said that the floods rose, the winds came, the wind blew down the houses built on sand. Whereas the one that built on the rock withstood the storm. Now we know that Jesus is the rock and that we need to build our lives upon him. But this parable is really about hearing, knowing, and doing what Jesus taught and not just hearing alone. You see, we're called to be, as, as James says, we're called to be doers of the word and not just hearers. Being a doer of the word is the kind of believer Jesus knows. In conclusion, the evidence that you are known by God is that you love God. This means that you are obedient to Him to the best of your ability. Listen to what Jesus says in the Gospel of John beginning in verse 14, or chapter 14 beginning in verse 15. Jesus says, If you love me, Keep my commandments, and I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, the Holy Spirit, that he may abide with you forever, the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. And then Jesus promises, I will not leave you orphans, I will come to you. Loving God is the natural response of the Holy Spirit in you. And the Holy Spirit is the evidence, it's the seal that you are known by God and that you belong to Him. To love God means more than an emotional feeling of love. The kind of love that God is talking about is what the Greeks called agape. Agape love is unconditional. And that's the kind of love that God has for us. As followers and disciples of Jesus, this is the kind of unconditional love that God responds to. I've used this definition many times defining what love is. But love is living your life for someone else's good. You may have heard me say that before, and it's something that I try to live by. 
And that's a good way for us to, to look at how we're to respond to those around us. The Lord only has good for you. As we like to say in church, God is good. He's good all the time. But we demonstrate our love for the Lord by blessing and glorifying Him through our lives. Our words, our deeds reflect a grateful heart that we know that the Lord knows us. As it says in, it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 8, beginning in verse 3, But if anyone loves God, this one is known by Him. So live your life as if Jesus were always by your side, because he is. Do this, and you'll never have to worry that Jesus would say to you, I never knew you. Because you are his, he is yours. Let me close with James 4, beginning in verse 8. And that verse says, draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Heavenly Father, just draw near to everyone who's listening or watching this, 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 this message. Lord, that they would know you, but also they would understand, they would recognize, they would sense your presence in their lives, and that they would know that they are known by you. And in that we have comfort, in that we have strength, in that we have boldness, and Lord, just release all of these things to the listeners today. Lord, let your mercy, let your grace and compassion touch those that are listening today. In Jesus' name, amen. Can you say amen, Danette? Amen. God bless you. Unless otherwise noted, all scripture quotations are from the New King James Version of the Bible. Copyright 1982 by Thomas Nelson. Used by permission, all rights reserved.